0: Welcome back to Bat Force Radio, the Batman slash DC podcast with no limits. Uh, We got a little mini stack episode covering the hot book of the week, which is Batman Curse of the White Knight. Uh, I got Robin Cross up in Canada. hi de Yeah, Let's get into Batman Curse of the White Knight book seven and the really careful handling of Harley Quinn by Sean Murphy. Even though she's not in as much as I thought she was going to be, in general, the Murphy verse is alive and strong. You got your your file open or you already know? Oh, you got, you got the physical copy, right? Uh, yeah, I do have it here if I need to uh, refer to it. But. Yeah, because uh, like, it was really cool how it opened up when Bruce, as a child, sort of saw it on the wall, then Alfred uh, lets him, uh, he takes it off the mount.
1: The interesting thing, this is one of the things that Sean does so well through uh, all of all of the relationships through White Knight. He's done a good job of uh, like what this particular scene is showing is Bruce uh, didn't want to go to his parents' funeral, and uh, when Alfred starts speaking to him, he finds out that Bruce is feeling guilty that you know, he was the one that wanted to go see the Zorro movie because he wanted to learn how to fight like Zorro. Yeah. So Alfred tells him, well, if, you're bra- if you'll be brave enough to go to, your, to go to your parents' funeral, when we get back, I'll teach you how to fight like Zorro, mm. and the next time something like this happens, you'll know exactly what to do. Yeah. because you know bruce was left feeling that it was his fault and he wasn't able to protect them
0: nice little throwback because alfred dies in the murphy verse but then you see uh yeah. these flashbacks of alfred and he's just like jay yes just like zorro and picks him up and carries him away and flash forward to uh him looking at the same sword on the wall and then harley's with him and uh they're talking And in you know bruce is pretty torn oh shit hold on the cops <laughs> <laughs> we heard that shit you said about Paul Beatty's Harley. Yeah. <laughs> Open up. Yeah, Bruce is pretty torn thinking about how he's not, he's decoded that he's actually not a Wayne. But Harley knew all along of the whole Edmund Wayne thing, but didn't want to tell Bruce because she knew how um, much it would upset him. Man, I, I, I can never get, I can never get over how well Sean Murphy draws Harley. Even the little like black and red uh, classic Harley robe that she wears with the glasses, no stupid hair coloring in her hair. I always love it. And this is such a nod to back way back even in the animated series when Harley and Bruce teamed up. You remember those episodes? Yeah. And it's just a, it's such a nice nod to it.
1: And 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 it works perfectly because Sean's you know the quote Murphy verse is so based in the animated series universe and it uses a lot of the history that was there and and builds on that but in a more maybe adult you know, a more mature sort of setting
0: i know and when you treat even a character like harley quinn like that without overdoing all the shtick she just becomes so much more interesting and a great nod to her original intention and Br- Bruce and her did have this really interesting relationship even back when she first started the animated series and they teamed up. And and I always thought that was interesting even from the get-go. But here you could really see it where, you know, Bruce is just down and out and he's talking about how he's going to just destroy everything and have nothing left. And, um, you know, Harley goes on to say that you still have your friends and then she says, you still have me. And it was just like this really this sweet, I don't know, it's a sweet moment because it's just, Shown you all the different sides of her, even as a supporting character, for the man who her the love of her life has been wanting to kill or fight this whole time. So,
1: yeah, and and all through White Knight, like going back to the first series, uh, we've seen this side of their relationship and the references to that. They always had this understanding between the two of them. Yeah, and you know that Bruce maybe sort of took it easy on her. Mm. because he knew that uh, as much as anything, she was keeping Joker under control and keeping him from doing the worst things that he wanted to do.
0: Right, yeah. Only she could do something like that. And, you know, for the clown prince of crime, one of the greatest villains of all time in comic book history, and she's pretty much the only dam that could support that, you know, pressure of water known as the madness of the Joker. So it says, this is how you handle Harley Quinn. You know this is and like, then you
1: have you know this thing based on all of that you know all the that history that's referenced the result is you see this relationship that they have built between the two of them that is now you know maybe it looks like it could turn into something more because they Bruce is obviously at arguably the lowest point of his life since his parents died uh, okay lost Alfred I
0: would love that because let's, let's face it he probably bangs a Tana. He slept with Batgirl. <laughs> girl. I'm pretty sure he, he messed around with Poison Ivy. He <laughs> knocked up Catwoman. You might as well just do it with the, your arch nemesis's girl. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just,
1: and, and if he's going to do uh, that with her, then why wouldn't it be the most... But don't forget uh, Wonder
0: Woman as well. Yeah, for uh, Justice League but, Unlimited, fellas. <laughs>
1: if there's going to be a Bruce and Harleen thing, then it's cool that it's happening with the most hmm. matured and sophisticated version of Harleen.
0: I could definitely get behind that, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that'll be really interesting. And I can't—they really need to. McFarlane toys really needs to make the white Knight Harley Quinn figure as yes. well because uh we just recently announced was the the Batman white Knight figure the white Knight Azriel figure and the white Knight Joker GTO figure which look amazing
1: yeah. with the uh, interchangeable Jack Napier head
0: yeah really cool I really I think they really nailed his artwork well in those sculpts was that uh who sculpted those was that Paul Harding or, uh, uh,
1: or one let's of those see. possibly I'm not even yeah, it might be, but I'm not even sure who sculpted those. Uh, yeah, now you mentioned it. Uh, th- this is kind of off topic, but because we were talking about uh, Ish, are we going to go through the whole issue, or are we yeah, just a Yeah, we're going to bang points? out this issue real okay, quick.
0: isn't cool. Because nice. it's just cause it's White Knight and White Knight rules. <laughs> it's just. Me get my, uh, I mean, that Azrael cup. suit that we see in this next panel is just. Uh, yeah, that's so odd. We need a figure of that as well. Shout out to Sean Murphy, never cutting corners when it comes to artwork. Um, but Azrael is uh, or. Jean Paul is having a hard time. I think he needs medication. Or his meds. Or yeah, just yeah, like... yeah.
1: He's because he's dying, right? He has yeah. uh, cancer. Mm. He's on his way out.
0: Yeah, and then you got uh, you got Barbara Gordon in uh, this recovery center or the hospital on crutches, and she's talking to Bruce, and um, you know he's being as as apologetic as usual, and uh, he's just he, he's having a hard time dealing with the fact that he's, I guess. Not a Wayne, and knows what he how he has to go about things now, you
1: know. And and this is where he's revealing uh, to Barbara what he's decided to do, and that's what he has to do to fix Gotham now that he knows that uh, he's not only that his company is a part of this corruption that's been hurting the city. Yeah. But also that you know he was never even a real Wayne to begin with, yeah. and So now he's revealing to Barbara that what he th- feels he has to do to f- actually help the city is mm. for Batman to be no more and for him to reveal his identity.
0: Yep, okay. kind of a a callback to Arkham Knight. Um, remember, mm. remember playing that game, and they find out it's Bruce Wayne, and all the, you hear all the thugs on the radio, like Bruce Wayne, that rich boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of the uh, the small things in that game after uh, his identity is revealed. Yeah. Uh, just if you play it long enough, you can hear so many funny little things from different characters like you'll hear thugs talking. I oh no, here, com- here comes Bruce man. He's going to get me in this Bruce mobile.
0: Dude, I love I remember when they were like, yeah, the boss. She's he's with Harley Quinn, that crazy bitch. <laughs> and like just I love the banter between the thugs in the game. But, and uh,
1: like, have you played through the game more than once?
0: Yeah, but it's been a while. I can't really remember uh, all of
1: those. if you do these side quests, like taking in, you know, uh, Two Face, Penguin, etc. Yeah, et cetera, I've done all those. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you take them in, uh, you'll get different conversations with them when you have them oh, in when the car in and you drive them to. Yeah. yeah. Well, like when you're on the drive they'll have different conversations with you depending if you've taken them in before or after Bruce's identity is revealed.
0: Oh, okay. It, despite its flaws, it was a pretty pretty good game. It was pretty cool like, you know, it, it had some really good moments in that game.
1: Yeah, and I I always thought that if that story had played out in a comic, that would blow people's minds in yeah in the comic world. Well, the first you know, because half the was pretty happened. good. <laughs> well, well I, I like the whole story. I don't think there's anything wrong with the story at all. I, I think the only stumbling point that people had is how much the car was part of the story and yeah. all the boss battles were tank battles. And...
0: and how Bruce beat some kind of disease just by out-thinking
1: it or something. I don't know. Just... Well, no, what, what ended up fixing... Uh, what ended up fixing the toxin that was put out by the cloudburst was Ivy. Mm, and that's know. another thing that would be huge in the comics is Ivy sacrificing her life to, to save the city.
0: Ivy was actually amazing in that game. When yeah. she died, it, it kind of went south
1: for me, but it was, a, it was ta- pretty good. It's a Tasia Valenza kicking oh, yeah. ass there.
0: Shetley. But going back to night, white night, when he puts uh Bruce, pretty, uh, bats pretty much reveals his identity to the city. And he's pretty much talking about how when he started, it was just battling low-level crime. And now it's like monsters and supervillains and how he just wants to make things right. So he asks the people of Gotham to get off the streets so the GTO and Bats can um, pretty much track down Asriel and fight. Um, and uh, and this is, this is pretty cool because uh, this is something I didn't see coming, but basically... Bruce's designated Batmobile for this mission is the mm-hmm. 89 Batmobile. Yeah. And let me tell you, Sean Murphy uses this, uses this Batmobile in the in comic book form to its full potential. He is just drawing it from every angle and he is, everything is technically accurate about the 89 Batmobile. And it's kind of weird cause it really hits home when it's like, it's, it's, the 89 Batmobile, but it's not Michael Keaton Batman, you know? It's it's kind of a, a, a mind warp now because it's uh, – you start to get used to this imagery. And, and like, those
1: references to how old it is because uh, –
0: Because you know, Asriel's suit is such a high-tech suit. It's like how is yeah, this thing that's decades old going to
1: – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so you have uh, Bruce walking the GTO into where it is and saying this one's always been my favorite. mm and, yeah, she says, that thing's decades old. Are you nuts? And <laughs> then he hops in and says, let's get nuts.
0: That's uh, <laughs> <laughs> so good. It sounds like he's going to kill him, too, because Nightwing's asking yes. him, like, what are you going to do? He's like, going gonna gonna to fucking kill him. I love that. And then when that thing takes off, woo, I want to see this in animated form now because uh, it just looks so badass, which reminds me, actually, the other day I watched um, about the Blu-ray, I watched Heavy Metal, which is based on the magazine, it was the animated anthology yeah. that came out in 1981, mm-hmm. and it was like, you know, really a big deal back then because of all these different teams of animators, and it was really gritty and whatnot, and actually this these scenes with the, the Batmobile flying through Gotham reminds me of, like, one of the first sequences in Heavy Metal, when he's riding through, like, old, you know, dystopian New York, and it's, you know, color palettes and whatnot, it was kind of I don't know. Kind of made a little connection there, but uh, it was really cool. Yeah,
1: what's up? Sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just gonna say it was really cool because of uh, the dramatic red light that he uses for Gotham City. Mm-hmm. It has that. To me, it has that old feel, like that old gritty feel, like the '80s, '90s animation or whatnot. You know, because he did say he wanted to mute his colors. He, this is all by design with Sean. So. I think it's very effective. Like when, when he pulls over in front of what's supposed to be Times Square in Gotham. Yeah, and yeah. He's yeah that's, that's the part to... I was
1: going to talk about. It's like Gotham at sunset. Yeah. And what, uh, what I was sort of feeling here is, yeah, because it's been muted and like going back to the first uh, White Knight series, uh, remember we talked about with Sean, uh, I think it was the first time he was on the show, mm. uh, how he was only using red uh, Well, he was only having Matt Hollingsworth use red on pages that Harley was on. Mm, right. And, you know, everything does stay muted. We don't see a lot of, you know, oranges and reds, but I, th- what I got the feeling of coming into the end of this issue is it feels like the color is coming in because it's approaching the climax of the story here. You know, so we're, because as of the end of this issue, there's only one book left.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, it's it's a lot of red, and that's by design. But when he's standing next to that 89 Batmobile, and just staring at the big screen, it just looks so badass. It's like, because you always look at that and say it's Michael Keaton, but now it's not, and I just, I can't get over it. It's it's just so cool.
1: Um, And and that shot of not Michael Keaton Batman standing cowl-less in the Gotham equivalent of Times Square as the sun sets. Yeah
0: great freaking bat suit and and it's like he has like some kind of chaps on or something (laughs) i don't know (laughs)
1: although the the big uh, boots that's one thing that uh sean has gotten uh, a little bit of flack for from some people or uh people saying you know some people don't like the knee highs
0: i like i like the the creative liberties he takes in chances i mean normally i'm not a big fan of batman revealing his identity i feel like he just does it a lot now as opposed to how it used to be but if it's intertwined with a good story then you know it's yeah if you you can if you can make it work then you kind of forget about you know the gripes you have with it and you're like okay i'm along for this ride
1: and and considering that part of it in this story is stemming from something that no one has done before like as far as i can remember no one has ever slapped us in the face with Bruce isn't even a Wayne.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. And so but I, I don't think I'm going out on too much of a limb here. What are the odds that the final battle between Bruce and Jean Paul Valley happens with Bruce using his dad's sword? Hmm. That's uh a... there, there 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 has there has to be you know, some more of, of Bruce using that sword coming up. Because well, we a... Sean had his his own sword custom made as a drawing reference. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we, we saw that photo of, of him holding it himself, which, you know, I, I assume was uh, a reference photo.
0: We do have some preview pages as well. And uh, there's one where uh, I think uh, Nightwing's talking to Bruce outside of the batmobile and he's holding what appears to be a gun a rifle and uh also have harley back at home with the kids some really cool images oh yeah because he in that preview page he did take the sword off the mount so because harley discovers that so yeah i guess that's what you're getting at that'd be really cool that's very cavalierish. i don't know if you ever read the cavalier story in uh The uh, Legends of the Dark Knight run. I think Tim Sale might have. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that's a nice little throwback to that as well. Sean Murphy does, I think he he is into swords and all those old weapons as well. So, um, this is a very exciting. Actually, with the preview pages, you could tell that the conclusion of The Curse of the White Knight is going to be just as action packed as we expect from Sean Murphy. Uh, You could see the the Gatling guns pop out of the uh, 89 Batmobile. I mean, you know, no. He did not waste any detail when it came to, you know, doing the 89 Batmobile justice. So I'm excited to see another action, uh, action-driven scene in the conclusion of this book, and excited for uh, the third chapter in the verse. But, but what I really wanted to use this platform for in terms of discussion was how Harley Quinn is handled by Sean Murphy, as well as bringing in uh the creator of uh the Harleen book on Black Label. What's the uh yeah. the guy's name? Uh,
1: I, I don't know if I say it correctly at all. Yeah. Uh but I think it's something along the lines of Stepan Sedgwick.
0: Right. Yeah, that sounds about right. So like, you know, these are just two really strong examples. I mean I even liked Harley and Azarello's universe with Joker and Dan, but like it's just the handling of the character, which I'm always big on because uh, when, you know, over time when you when you read like comic books you, like the integrity of the characters you love are are important to you and you know you learn how to deal with things when certain creators you feel don't do them justice and why I'm getting to this is because of the whole um discussion over time the past couple of weeks about why the the movie Birds of Prey didn't do well and how there's all these different excuses or speculation or whatnot. and I I sh- many people agree that what The real, real reason why this or any movie won't be successful at the box office is lack of interest. So it's like, well, why is there a lack of interest in a movie? Well, the main core reason for this one would be because people don't really recognize the characters that they've grown to love in comic books and the source material. Mainly Harley Quinn. Um, Jimmy Palmiotti, who's been doing the, um, the Harley Quinn run for quite some time now. Um, has been pushing the case that, well, it is based on the source material. <clears throat> and there have been people calling that out saying, well, but it's not good source material that his version of Harley Quinn is not true to the great, fun, foundational core of the Harley Quinn that we all know and love from the past. You know, someone with that's not an idiot that doesn't have bells around the neck or blue and pink in her hair, but somebody who is handled in the way that, say... Um, She, you know, like the book Harleen or in this case, White Knight, where it's just the creators that capture the essence of a certain comic book character. If that's applied to a movie, then there's going to be a lot more interest in it. So that's that's been a huge topic recently that I've become quite interested in because it's people like Sean Murphy who give me a little glimpse of faith in terms of still being still being able to enjoy certain characters. It's like when you see his version of Harley Quinn, I'm like. Oh, I I've missed you, pudding. You know, like that, that's <laughs> and, and, that's how you do.
1: It. And and he directly addressed uh, in the beginning of the the first White Knight volume the difference between New Harley Quinn and Classic Harley Quinn. You know, the the first one we saw in White Knight was the you know sort of Suicide Squad looking uh, the Margot Robbie style Harley mm. uh, until the other one showed up and kicked her in the face. Love that. And that was when we found out you know that in this universe. Uh, Harleen Quinzel had walked away from Joker and he replaced her with with Marion Drews who became the new Harley Mm. and yeah that just uh, became a a cool device for showing the difference and uh, a great way to give us a story that was the classic Harley Quinn while also addressing that there exists this newer iteration of her yeah,
0: definitely. And luckily, uh, I don't want to use Birds of Prey as an example, but luckily, Harley is one of the few characters that have really been that butchered and exploited. You know, like, everyone else, as, as far as the comic books, continuity, even, you know, you think about like Catwoman or, or Ivy or whoever it's been, pretty okay. <laughs> um, but, oh, but for the record, we, me and you, we are going to review the Harley Quinn animated series sometime in the near future. Because, uh, yeah, I definitely want to go over that because I think that's really interesting as well. It's supposed to be good. Yeah, we'll do it. But, um, yeah, that's, I, I, you know, and to segue even further into that, uh, we have a new character who a lot of speculation, a lot of people out there are saying, oh, it's the new Harley, Harley's replacement, blah, blah, blah. But supposedly um, it is Joker's new Sidekick, helper, girlfriend, whoever. Uh this girl Punchline. Yeah. And um you've read the book that's coming out this week, right?
1: Yeah, so uh as of this point we had in the James Tynan's previous issue of Batman, we had two panels that gave us partial views of her, so you know that became sort of a cameo issue and the world went crazy, that issue sold out everywhere. Uh, was already gone to second print by the time it went on sale. And as of tomorrow, uh, issue three of Year of the Villain Hell Arisen, the miniseries that James Tynan's doing, that sort of, uh, stems, out of uh, stems a lot out of the Justice League series that Scott Snyder and James Tynan have just finished. Uh, So this is all coming to a head with sort of a Joker versus Lex uh, battle for sort of the world thing. But it's bringing in a lot of different threads from stories that have been going on. Uh, We just had uh, Josh Williamson do his uh, story in uh, Batman Who Laughs or uh, in Batman Superman with the Batman Who Laughs having infected uh, all of these other heroes uh, so mm-hmm. that story comes into this one too. So the Batman who laughs is facing off against Lex, but also Jokers against Lex. You know, they're all sort of vying for their own ends. So this issue gives us also a brief look again at Punchline, but we, for the first time within the context of an issue, see a full body shot of her. Mm. So uh, the the content we get of her here is uh, after Joker rescues Lex from where he was imprisoned. uh, When they arrive where Joker was bringing him, uh, we see that Punchline is holding uh, Lex's longtime uh, assistant slash sometimes head of security slash whatever, uh, Mercy. So Punchline uh, is holding her, uh, I believe, with a knife to her throat. Oh shit. Man. And uh that's you know, the the next taste that we get of punchline. What? And you know it, it it comes and goes so was we got a Mercy, brief look at it. Was Mercy Mercy's Asian, right? Uh sometimes? Yeah. Uh not always uh she she was Asian in um uh, of some Asian descent in uh Dawn of Justice. Mm. We had a little bit of her uh, in Lex's place there, and then you know, she she ends up getting blowed up by Lex. Mm. Um, she was in... Uh, yeah, well, she goes all the way back to uh, Justice League United, and uh, maybe in the comics before that. I don't remember if she started in Justice League United. But uh, she was also in... There was a different iteration of her in the DC... Uh, the DC streaming service Titans show.
0: Oh, yeah, sometimes she looks a little... White as well. I was curious, I was asking because uh, I think Punchline
1: looks kind of Asian. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah, she could, but it could also be the makeup. Yeah. Uh, but in one of the upcoming issues of Batman, uh, I think it's an issue that James is doing with uh, Jorge Jimenez. Uh, we'll get her backstory, her her whole <clears> whole <throat> origin.
0: Has uh, this new book sold out already?
1: Like... Oh, oh fuck yeah! Uh, what do you it, think? It, you it think was of sold hype? out. Uh, a couple weeks ago
0: well and the 89 hype as well it's insane
1: it's yeah they they were both hit by the same thing there was a lot of publicity around the fact that well this this is a new appearance of a first character so it inevitably brings out the people who are just looking to cash in you know the people that want to cruise into a comic shop oftentimes a, a shop that they have either never walked into before or have haven't walked into since the last time there was something they were hoping to cash in on.
0: Yeah, I have mixed feelings uh, about that because I, you know, seeing opportunities to hype Beasts it's, it sucks, but at the same time, it's still cool to see this much hype and activity around comic books. You know what I mean? Like I like that there's still this much interest in comic books, where it's just everyone's going nuts. You know, it's
1: it, it's, it's nice for this interest to peak like this. If the result is that some of those people who were drawn in by it stick around and, mm. and you know give uh give the medium more of a chance uh so i'm sure there there have to be some people that that stick around i um, not everybody is one of those a-holes that walks into a shop the first time just hoping to scoop some copies that they can flog on ebay
0: mm. yeah i mean there's always going to be an opportunist but uh, like still people are talking about comic books like yeah, there's and... so many people and good example is uh the Batman Who Laughs, who, you yeah. know, he's a char- combo character, but he's blown up across mediums. Like, they had to get a skin of the Batman Who Laughs in Mortal Kombat, and now all the gamers are talking about and interested in the Batman Who Laughs and his backstory and all that stuff. So it's it's always good to see. I think it's good to see things that come out that interest people into inquiring about comics and, you know... You know going to a local comic book store, asking questions, maybe buying a few or whatever, I think. I think yeah. that's always good for comics. Yeah, book.
1: and anything that draws uh, new people in is bound to hold on to some of them. Yeah. So in in the end, it's a good. And as long as there are some people who aren't getting into it for the wrong reasons, like, yeah, we, we're talking about the hype end of this and the people that uh, are coming into it just because of the the hype factor and the perceived, uh, opportunity to, to make a buck on it. But the thing that has me more interested in what James is doing here is, uh, just that I read his uh, newsletter. James has, uh, if you click on his bio on his Instagram, his Twitter or anything, uh, you can sign up for his, uh, email list. Oh, is it like, is it bi-monthly? Uh, I monthly by monthly, one of the two, uh, or it might just be whenever he, uh, mm. has the, uh, you know, feels the need to, uh, to send something out. Yeah. Uh, the, the most recent one, uh, so he starts off with analyzing sort of the majority of people that would call themselves comic readers and he analyzes how, they, well, most of these people who call themselves comic readers are probably not those people that are every single week in their local comic shop, picking up their books, you know, like the, the majority of people like that's probably a minority of comic readers are the ones that are diehards that are in the shops every, every week or two Mm. to pick up their new books. But the, the majority of people who would call themselves comic readers are more likely those people who have in their house, just one section of, of nerd stuff and maybe one shelf on a bookcase is their collection of trade paperbacks and graphic novels. Mm. And he, you know, goes on to uh, propose that those collections are, in most cases, probably made up of a lot of the perennial mainstays. Like so, these people are probably going to own things like V for Vendetta, Watchmen. Dark Knight Returns, and then maybe some some of the newer things like Saga, Why the Last Man, uh, maybe Walking Dead, and you know that most people who have purchased comics would have this small dedicated section for their comic collection, and that is their comic collection, mm. and that you know they probably aren't too quick to buy anything new to add into that because you know that's their dedicated space for it. And he goes on to uh, explain what he thinks it would take for someone to earn a place on that limited shelf space mm. uh, to, to get your book in with those mainstays. And he explains that what he is trying to do in this story, you know, because what what we're seeing a lot of it is just the hype of a new character. You know, because Punchline shows up, the designer is is part of is the the bigger part of this story, uh, and he's introducing new characters and new tech for Batman, and we have Lucius uh, running Alfred's position, but uh, what he is trying to do is. He's he's supposing that what it takes to earn a place in these people's collections is to not just rehash what other people have done, not just retelling the story that's been told by other people over the decades, just telling it with you your your own version of it. Uh, What he thinks it will take to earn your place on the shelves of these more average comic readers is to tell something that hasn't been told before. Mm. And he goes on to explain how what he's trying to do with a character like Punchline is that the goal is not for her to be the new Harley Quinn. He's not saying, well, Harley's moved on and does her own thing now. She's a solo character, so Joker needs a new Harley. That's not what he's after. Uh, And as we're going to see as she plays out more in the stories is just how different from that she is. And she's not just a a replacement Harley character for, for Joker to have now. And that's, I think that's the, the core of what he's trying to do with all this is just not giving us rehashes of things we've had before and just reading the passion that he has for doing something new, giving us something different Mm. is what, uh, is what has me most interested in, in what's coming up in the story. Mm. Very interesting. Interesting. But I, I think uh, everybody needs. To look, and look, look at the things that are the most successful. White Knight we just finished talking about is not a rehash of of things that have been done before. You know, there are all these new things that had never been done, and it's been successful as hell. Mm.
0: Well,
1: and I, so I it's think, every yeah. time that someone does, you know, goes out on a limb and and does something fresh and new. It it has that potential to to be something that uh, gained notoriety. Well,
0: I I think you need to have the people who are trying to push the envelope, you know, like Scott Snyder, you know, people like that, uh, Sean Murphy, Yeah. you know, past Frank Miller doing things, taking chances and trying to put, and then I think you also need people like, I think, I think Tynan is actually one of them to be honest with you, and Tomasi and who write the crowd pleasers. You know, they're not trying to do anything mind blowing, but they just want to write consistent good stories. You know what I mean? Like, like, um, like Tomasi, you know, Batman and Robin, run just consistent good storytelling. Yeah. Not yeah, trying the to New do anything crazy. Yeah, I mean, and the stuff that in there is that's great, like Hellbat stuff. And and also, but I, what I mean is, there's people who are more interested in telling good stories as opposed to trying to do you know, made write the next classic. I think you I think you should have some people that are trying to push the envelope and some people are just doing the, the monthly crowd please. Like for example, Detective Comics ten twenty is fantastic. It's Ugly Heart, that's what it's called. It's a two faced story by Tomasi with excellent artwork by Brad Walker. Highly recommend to pick that one up. That's what's that's what a crowd pleaser is. You can pick it up read it be like dan art's good this is a badass two-faced story you know that's uh and that's hitting the shelves this week too so that that's how they, we had do we had brad walker on the show yeah didn't we? yeah brad yeah.
1: walker was on uh last year uh when his first arc was uh was coming up on detective so yeah if if you like uh brad's art as much as you should uh reading this issue uh go back through through the episodes and check out his appearance
0: it is really good oh man Detective Comics ten twenty, Tomasi.
1: Yeah, d- yeah. Tomasi is one of those guys that, man, just you can pick up anything he's written and, and know that it's it's going to be consistently good stuff. Yeah,
0: just consistently good crowd pleasing, you know, solid, classic, you know, Batman storytelling. He's really good at doing Batman. He's he's a guy who could write like animated series stories. He's just that guy. Yeah, who, for sure. who could churn out a bunch of self-contained Batman stories and and you you won't be disappointed. They'll just just be good. So, you know. And um, yeah, good shit for good comics.
1: I know Um, that's something you've been uh, mentioning lately is that uh, you want uh, the animated series to come back.
0: Yeah, we're gonna do um, a topic discussion on an upcoming episode soon about reasons why they need to bring Batman the Animated Series back. Cause there's a lot of them, and they, I could think of very little reason why they shouldn't be doing it at this point. I mean, with all the other stuff we're getting, that's that's that might be lackluster. You know, I know some people love stuff like you have your CW shows, you have your Gotham shows, you have all this stuff that so much money's poured into. If you were to take a a piece of that funding and throw it in Warner Brothers Animation, you could do, you could just yeah, well. It'll be a good episode where we discuss it.
1: They could throw that up on HBO Max with the Snyder Cut.
0: Yeah, (laughs) which... uh, (laughs) Who knows, man? People might get what they want. You know, it's... uh, anything. Hey, man, like I said, I hope the trend continues where what they did with Sonic the Hedgehog was absolutely fantastic, where um, they released the trailer. I think it was, like, give or take a year ago and sonic just looked kind of fucking weird and there was backlash but the studio actually went back and i mean maybe it was one of those situations where like well we gotta fix it or we're fucked but at the (laughs) same time the studio did go back and make the necessary changes and the end result was a great movie that all across the board, everyone is just loving to that, you know, it's just a great, yeah, ra- rather than having
1: people say, well, it was good, but Sonic still looks fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: And, um, and based on that movie's success, that might, might see a trend where there's going to be some turnarounds with a lot of movies coming up. If they feel like, you know, the, uh, initial viewing of the trailer, or whatever is not, if they're not getting the reception that they want. So,
1: I hope it doesn't uh, end up being a trend like those uh, the, in the '90s when they were making all the live-action movies, video games, and we got things like Double Dragon and Street Fighter. Street
0: Fighter <laughs> yeah, and Mortal, even Mortal Kombat, which people still love, but it's just—it's yeah. hard to do those kind of video games. But uh, but I, I think it's really important. I mean, you 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 gotta you gotta listen to the fans. You gotta listen to the people who support the source material grew up on the stuff because when you look at examples like Birds of Prey it's people just weren't interested you you the representation of the characters in that movie was just it's visually was just so far from like nobody recognized them and I think that is one of the key reasons why it really bombed hard <clears throat> and I can't say I'm losing sleep over that because if it was successful we would get more of it but I think what we really want is more comic accurate stuff. See, the, whoever the suits are, or whoever it was that made all these decisions, um, they, they really need to realize that even though you think you're marketing to a specific audience, like a millennial hot topic audience, whatever it may be, it doesn't necessarily work like that. Whereas if you were to put comic, if you were to really apply the source material well in a movie, this crowd that you're trying to market to would definitely still come and see it why do you think there's interest in these characters to begin with because of the integrity with them and the source material because of how they look and act and how they were originally intended to be not because you wanted to make it a a hot topic rihanna music video and think it's going to sell tickets so
1: yeah and there there's obviously there has been a market for this new age sort of harley uh in the new Fifty Two, when uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor started their Harley run, uh, there was a, there was a huge level of excitement for that. You know, I I remember how excited people were. I was excited for it. You know, I bought uh, the I had it on my file months before it came out. Bought the first issue. Bought the uh, the variant cover, uh, the that awesome Adam Hughes variant cover. Yeah. And for a while, that series was doing really well. Yeah. Until it wasn't. Like for a long time, it was a top 10 seller, top 10, mm. 15 uh, on the charts. But by the time it ended, we could see how this newer take on Harley didn't have the longevity. By the By the end of their run, by the time you know, they switched off and the new creative team came on, uh, I don't remember for sure. I haven't looked this up, so I'm just going from memory from the time. Uh, I think by the time their run ended, it had fallen to like a top 40 book. Yeah. And I think that shows us sort of the same thing. What people maybe want to see in a live action Harley is the one that they have loved since the 90s, the classic Harley. We have yet to get that on the screen.
0: I know. And they need to just do it well. Because, it's you know, the visual representation of these characters is a Key, it's a really important thing when it comes to how well people respond to how how they gravitate towards wanting to, you know, consume movies, animation, comics, whatever it may be. Thing is, with with Harley Quinn or Jester Harley, when done right, it's really interesting, especially with her personality. But when you take the mask off, put blue and pink in her hair, and put bells around her neck, she goes from looking like an interesting. Comic book villain in Gotham to any other kid going to hot topic, you know what I mean? It's just it it changed. Like when I see these the new issues coming out for uh, I think it's Batman ninety, and I see the Riddler, Catwoman, Penguin, and then I see Harley with with the pink and blue hair and the bells. It's like it looks like it looks like a kid as opposed to a, a you know a, a mastermind criminal ex- ex-girlfriend of the jewel It's like and it's like,
1: I'll, I'll give them this they they did make an effort to give some recognizable things like one of the the looks they used for harley in the birds of prey movie was uh based on uh, a scene that tom taylor and bruno redondo did in injustice mm. uh so you know they're, they're taking comic influences here and there but for a lot of people that isn't enough you know and we had talked uh, before we recorded this um, about uh, Jimmy Palmiotti had, had tweeted uh, something to the effect of, you know, well, this version of Harley is based on 105 issues of, of the character that, Mm. that we wrote. Well, yeah. And maybe 10 years from now, when you have the, the kids that grew up reading those comics are, you know, they want to see the version of Harley they grew up with on the screen. Mm. That'll be a great time for that. But right now, what a lot of people want to see is the version of Harley that they've known, that they've been watching on TV since since the 90s.
0: Yeah, and I, I think if you read the Jimmy Palmiotti stuff and then read something like Harleen, you will truly understand the difference between the real Harley Quinn and the exploited, mass-marketed Harley Quinn. You know, people said they changed or whatever, and it's just... You know, you, you haven't seen any other character in the Gotham universe or even the DC universe that has been that dramatically changed for the sake of marketing to what they feel is a target audience, and, and people who grew up with her is, are d- disappointed in that. It's just that's, and
1: there there's this weird thing that has been happening with characters like Harley, and we got it with uh, uh, Huntress in the Birds of Prey movie, Black Canary in the Birds of Prey movie. Cassandra Cain also that none of them use their comic appearances you know none of them are using any of their classic looks Mm. but Mm. would we ever see a a Superman movie or a Batman movie where or even a Wonder Woman movie a, a Green Lantern movie anything where well, no, we didn't put their costume on him. You know, at, at no point did Superman put on you know the the tights and cape in this movie. But mm. you know, we put him in some fun outfits, and mm. look, he, his belt buckle has. So that that's how you know he's Superman. Mm. Y- yeah. You would never see that done with. You know, there's there's never going to be a Batman movie where he doesn't wear the bat suit. It's it's so it's understood that it's such a part of his character that it's the first thing that people wait to see when there's a new iteration Mm. uh, of a movie coming up, or even just a new movie in a series. The first thing people wait to see is the bat suit. First first thing people want to see when there's a new Superman movie is, Oh, let's, let's see this new guy in, in the Superman suit. Mm, But when we have, you know, why is it when there's a, a suicide squad movie or a birds of prey movie? Well, let's see what, kooky outfits we're gonna get Harley in in this movie because it's not gonna be her jester suit.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's it's a shame. I think uh, I think the way to do it. I hope in the future, like if they if you look at Mondo's Harley Quinn statue, where she's laying on the the carpet and she's listening to records. Wait for J Man. Yeah, that uh, it looks like an actual woman in that jester suit. And I yeah. and I envision how that would look in a really good movie with Harley Quinn, done right, it would be amazing. And uh, you guys, yeah, the if you Google it, the the Mondo Harley Quinn statue, you'll see what I'm talking about. So,
1: listeners, but um, uh, and, and, and not not to to just to show that we're not completely bashing this. Like, sure, there are some people that that love this Birds of Prey movie love these versions of characters. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. You enjoy that, mm. but yeah, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of room for, for the classic takes on the characters too.
0: I mean, it, like I said, I think Margot Robbie's talents were kind of, wait, th- I think sh- she could have been put in such a, in a much better script and a much better setting with much better classic Harley outfits and, just you know, they could have put they could have pushed the potential of Harley Harley Quinn with her for like beyond because she 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 is a very skilled actress but but you know that's Hollywood and um and now we're getting a Suicide Squad another Suicide Squad movie I don't know why we keep getting Suicide Squad. movies.
1: <laughs> well, uh, I think this one is sort of meant to I don't know feel it's it's not a reboot but uh, I don't know I it'll be interesting to see how much they ignore the previous one because you know, James Gunn is doing this one and uh, Harley is back in it. It's still Margot Robbie, but she has a very different look mm. than in Suicide Squad or Birds of Prey. Mm. Yeah. So it, it'll be cool to see what, uh, what tone of Harley he uses in this movie. You know, if she's going to be the the version we've seen so far in the movies or, you know, what he's going to do if he's going to go darker with her.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think the train's left the station (laughs) after that last movie. I feel like, I feel like it would be cool to see, like, Harley in the Matt Reeves universe on that that level. That would be, really, you know, or, like, maybe even Todd Phillips doing, like, a Harleen adaptation would be mind-blowing. But, you know, this, yeah, this whole... You know, the segment, we just wanted to discuss, like, how we would... How how nice it would be to see some creators, you know, how get her back to her roots and just, you know, especially in the source material. So maybe it can be applied to the big screen one day. But, you know, but creative decisions are made. And um, you got to focus on the good or focus on what you like. And for us, it's like versions of her in White Knight or Harleen or even... Um, the case file story where Black Label, you know, just different interesting takes. So, you know, but the good news is she's one of the few that this has happened to. You know, all the other characters still be intact. Especially Two-Face, man. Definitely grab Detective Comics 1020 at your local comic shop today on Wednesday, February 26th, 2020. We are in the future. But uh anyway, guys, that'll do it for another episode of Bad Force Radio. Please rate, review subscribe follow love hug (laughs) tell your friends all that good shit got a lot more things in the pipeline for Bad force radio um and
1: uh now we're on spotify itunes soundcloud and on youtube uh we're slowly adding up uh archives i i I threw on uh three more i think three more yeah three more episodes up on the youtube today so uh whenever there's time, I'm throwing some of the, the classic popular, uh, guest yeah. episodes up. Yeah. And, man. uh, and then we'll have all the new stuff coming up there as well.
0: Yeah. We're in the process of navigating and growing on YouTube, but, uh, you know, we got a lot more expansion plans for 2020 and definitely bringing you, uh, some content you can only get from us, especially with, uh, future guests coming on the show. That's going to be pretty exciting. Next month's going to be fun. Yeah. We got a lot of, uh, you got some heavy hitters coming on, So, uh, Anyway, guys, Bat Force Radio, out. Hey Gotham Dwellers, make sure to stop everything right now and subscribe to Bat Force Radio. We can be found on iTunes and SoundCloud. Don't miss out. Guaranteed to satisfy all of your Batman and DC needs. (laughs)